This podcast contains themes of substance use and risk-taking behaviour. Listen to discretion is advised. Dad, Welcome to part two of the marijuana episode. This is That Alcohol and Drug Podcast. In part one, I went over the history of marijuana. It's got multiple different names, multiple different uses. Uh, We talked to Colin, who gave you a bit of a definition, went over THC and CBD. We also heard from a service user and heard their story. So if you haven't listened already, I would recommend to go back to part one and give it a listen before you listen to this one, because it'd probably make more sense. If not, and you kind of live life on the wild side, then that's your choice. (laughs) So today, you're going to hear from Bethan, who will tell you the impact marijuana can have on mental health. And you'll also hear the second half of the service user story from part one. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy it. First up, you're going to hear from Bethan. Bethan is a specialist parental substance misuse social worker. Bethan works for Better Lives and social services and has a vast range of experience with people who use substances. Hi, Bethan. Thanks for coming in. You're on the marijuana episode for the Better Lives podcast. So, Bethan, would you be able to describe what effects someone's cannabis use can have on their mental health? Um, so, Reese, the impact on people's mental health can be really is really different. It's obviously dependent upon the individual mm. and what we call drug set and setting. And this is the individual drug that the person is using. Yeah. The set, which is their sort of mindset, the sort of psychology, life experiences that they've had that they're bringing with them to that situation and also the setting which is where they're using drugs right um so as i said it can be different for different people however for some people cannabis can cause anxiety hallucinations uh, make them feel anxious aggressive paranoid delusional or disorientated Mm. they might feel very lethargic like struggle to concentrate or actually just struggle to do normal daily tasks depending on how it's impacted upon them and how much they're using yeah another factor to consider is actually the type of cannabis that they're smoking Mm. so there's a researched link between thc and schizophrenia and psychosis right so schizophrenia, uh, sorry, psychosis is when um, you might hear or see or feel things that other people don't mm. hear, see or feel. Yeah. And schizophrenia is a mental illness and one of the manifestations can be psychosis. Mm. Some people uh, might be more predisposed to experiencing mental health problems from smoking cannabis yeah. or have a genetic vulnerability, yeah. um, which means that they're naturally more likely to develop a mental health problem. Mm. For example, if people in their family have a mental illness, it might mean that they are more predisposed to having that as well. Mm. But it doesn't mean that everybody does. So we, when we say when people are smoking cannabis, it really depends upon the risks and harms associated with smoking yeah. it. So for some people, if you smoke it and it makes you feel anxious or it makes you feel paranoid, don't, you know, don't smoke it because yeah. it, it pro- probably will just in- become worse. Exacerbate rather than, the issue. Rather than better. Yeah. yeah, exacerbate the issue. Yeah. So one of the things we used to say when I was working with young people I used to ask them directly you know do you hear are you hearing voices are you having hallucinations because actually these are 
these are indicators for us mm. that, that the cannabis is having a sort of detrimental impact upon their mental health. Yeah. And I just want to quickly talk about some some research. So I'd like to guide people to rethink. Okay, there's yeah. a really good fact sheet and it's available from www.rethink.com. Org, and it's yeah. a fact sheet about cannabis and mental health. And I think anybody who's struggling with um, their mental health and smoking cannabis or struggling with sort of feelings of paranoia, I would suggest that this is a this is a good yeah. useful fact sheet for them to access. We'll put that link in the in the more part of the episode as well. So if you just go into your provider that you're listening on, you'll be able to go into that link that Bethan talked about. Yeah, and then and rethink also talk about um, some research into a group of eighteen to twenty year olds who smoked cannabis, and when researchers followed up with them more than fifteen years later, the, they found that the participants were more likely to develop psychosis if they used skunk instead of milder cannabis, mm. two times more likely to develop schizophrenia than someone who doesn't use cannabis, mm. and six times more likely to develop schizophrenia if they are a heavy cannabis user compared to someone who doesn't use cannabis. Yeah. Also, smoking cannabis can cause a psychotic relapse if you have, have a psychotic illness or experience psychosis previously yeah and you're more likely to develop depression and anxiety if you smoke cannabis from an early age and i just want to reiterate as well the importance of the different strains of cannabis mm. um cannabis has over 400 different psychoactive compounds in it but the main two thc and cbd what we're seeing now in skunk in london especially i'm talking about london now yeah. we're seeing uh, strains like amnesia haze and all the hazes and cheese and stuff yeah. which have some sometimes up to 20 percent thc mm. and zero cbd the problem is that CBD is a regulator of THC. It's a bit like a, I, I say with young people, it's a bit like having a dock leaf to a stinging nettle. It takes out the sting, it regulates mm. it. Because THC creates such a huge cerebral high that this is where the problem comes in. And if there's no CBD in there to regulate that... This is one of the reasons, I believe, why we're seeing more episodes of young people presenting into services, experiencing mental health as the direct result of smoking strong skunk mm. strains cannabis. Yeah. As Bethan's pointed out, cannabis can have quite a heavy effect on someone's mental health. So it's really interesting. Would you be able to describe what effects cannabis might have on someone's family members, how it might affect a person, how it might affect a loved one who has a loved one using substances? Yeah. Coming back to what I said in the last question, it's about like the risks and harms associated with each individual user's use. Mm. However, if we think about addiction, okay, there's something called the cycle of addiction and it's by Kube and Lamole in 2006. I'm sure you can put a link up to it yeah. on the site. Okay, so we're looking at a cycle of addiction. So basically there is the preoccupation stage, which is where somebody's thinking at want craving, thinking about using, thinking about procurement. Yeah. They want to use that substance. So they're completely preoccupied, possibly, you know, 
working out financially how they can acquire that drug, etc. The second stage is then intoxication, binging, which is where that person would be into- like high yeah. and uh, physically and emotionally unavailable, possibly to their family mm. because of their intoxicated state. Then the third stage is the withdrawal, w- withdrawal stage and also cr- and cravings yeah. as well, which means that they would, again, be preoccupied, yeah. possibly unavailable emotionally and physically to their family. Mm. And so the, these are the sort of three stages of, of the cycle. And then somebody would sort of spiral downwards more and more into psychological or physical dependence or addiction. Mm. Okay. I mean, I mean, cannabis is a lot cheaper than other substances. So possibly, you know, the procurement stage and the with, and the withdrawal stage might not be quite as problematic. Yeah. And it doesn't um, affect people quite so overtly as as other substances. Mm. And the social the socialization around it is not as harsh as other substances as well. Yes. So in terms of like a legal, uh, yeah, and how but, it's perceived in society and how people understand it and. Yeah, the relationship with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. It's more socially accepted. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it and and it's really widely used. I mean, it's the second mm. most white commonly used substance, I think, after alcohol in this yeah. country. Yeah. So yeah, there's there is a the sort of stigma and discrimination which are associated around other sort of class A's are, are not present with cannabis. Yeah. However, it does depend again on the risks and harms associated. Yeah. And also, as I said before, the drug set and setting. Of, of that individual but i think it is really important anyway to think about how cannabis affects a person and mm. how it can make somebody very lethargic how it can make somebody disinterested mm-hmm. um preoccupied focus you know and and if you were the partner of somebody who was smoking cannabis mm. um sort of habitually daily mm. actually i can imagine that would be really it might be frustrating. Mm. Possibly they're not doing all the tasks at home which are needed. You know, maybe yeah. the, maybe the relationship would suffer in that it wouldn't be um, sort of balanced mutual thing, and mm. that one person might end up taking on a lot more of the tasks at home, mm. and and also causing arguments because possibly and and conflict at home because mm. it could be that one parent actually doesn't want the other parent smoking around the family home or yeah. or for the for, you know because of modelling because children might then. Yeah. start ex- thinking that that it's okay to be using substances and yeah so that's interesting it's kind of good point that how you highlighted how cannabis use can affect partnerships and it can cause strain on relationships given the kind of different contexts and how what a person might believe versus another person and how they want to approach that person so i suppose that kind of leads on to parenting and child development so would you be able to talk about how someone's cannabis use might have effect on their parenting how it might affect their child's development as well so i guess in terms let's start with child development so it depends on who's smoking and how much exposure the child has to that person yeah if if we think right back to when the child's in utero developing in the womb Mm. if the mother is smoking or if the mother's exposed to a high level of sort of environmental cannabis smoke that she's inhaling we would expect to see you know, some impact upon the baby. The problem is the research is inconclusive regarding how cannabis affects an unborn fetus. Yeah. However, uh, research tells us in adolescence that THC has a detrimental effect on the actual structural brain development of adolescence. Mm. So it impacts upon the um, the amygdala. There was research from Australia which said that um, smoking in adolescence caused the amygdala to be 
I think, I'm sorry, I can't remember the stats off the top of my head. I think it's something like six times smaller. Then also there was an uh, impacted, impeded the actual development of the hippocampus as well, mm -hmm. which is where um, how we learn and retain information. Yeah. It also impacted upon synaptic pruning, which so impacts immediately upon IQ. So we're mm. talking about the impact on an adolescent, developing adolescent brain, yeah. which is the second most pivotal time of brain development after baby okay mm. so ethically we can't do the studies on the developing babies however if we consider the impacts from adolescence brain and how we know it affects their brains mm. i would suggest to any mother who's using um cannabis whilst pregnant i would suggest that she really consider stopping or reducing her use reducing so she's not using a high thc blend okay because yeah. thc is really the the problematic compound in this instance yeah on that note, something really important to mention as well is that THC is fat soluble, okay? So if there's, if there's any mothers out there who are breastfeeding and using cannabis, please be aware that your breast milk will be filled with THC. So so we ask that um, people who are smoking cannabis, it's best not to breastfeed. The risks are too high. Yeah. So that's that. Um, so then thinking about the impacts of how um, cannabis use might impact on parenting capacity, mm -hmm. What we so I, I think I alluded to it earlier. It's the um, lack of emotional and physical availability. Mm. So when I'm working with parents, we've I've got a whole load of um, safety advice that I share with them. So for example, the question is, if you're going to smoke cannabis, how to smoke as safely as possible, and lessen or reduce the impact upon your children yeah. as much as possible so one of the things that i would suggest to a parent is to make sure that you do not smoke anywhere inside your family home yeah. even even smoking out of a window is dangerous 80 percent of the smoke is transparent mm. so you can't see it so even if you're trying to blow out of a window it's going to be blowing back your children are therefore at risk of inhaling secondary cannabis smoke inhalation yeah. So we ask you to go outside. When you go outside, uh, put a coat on and preferably put some gloves on or tie your hair back if it's long. Smoke whatever you're smoking outside, nub it out. Don't leave the nub in the ashtray because that's dangerous. You know, you need to dispose of that safely where your children can't get it. When you come back in the home, take your coat off, wash your hands. I think the NHS used to advise waiting for 30 minutes before picking up a baby. Mm. That was after smoking tobacco. Yeah. But if people are smoking with tobacco, it's kind of, you know, Same. makes sense. Yeah. The only problem is, although that is a protective strategy in terms of not exposing children to your smoke, it also means that you're unavailable to them for those 10 yeah. minutes or so while you're not there, which yeah. obviously is a risk factor, you know, if you wouldn't be there present for your children. So what we also say is, if you are going to nip out, try and make it nipping out yeah. try and make it just five minutes yeah best if someone can obviously be with them yeah. or that you can have eyes on them through the balcony window yeah. or whatever or if there's an, another adult with them as well that'd be ideal yes yeah. perfect Reese. Mm. so yeah it seems like there is quite a large and variable effects that can cannabis can have on family members thanks for telling us about that bethan and what are some things this is a very common question we get from our family members what are some things that their family members can do to help their loved one who might be using cannabis problematically. So in terms, so for family members or like sort of concerned others or loved ones, as we call them, mm -hmm. there are a few, quite a few services available. Okay, so in Islington, we have the Better Lives Family Service, mm -hmm. 
which hopefully you're aware of, Reese. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously you're going to explain more about the family service, but the family yeah. service is absolutely excellent service and that, and you guys provide long-term support, don't you, for yeah. people experiencing or living with the substance use of a, of a loved one. Yeah. Um, that would be the go-to in Islington. Obviously, for people using substances themselves, there's Better Lives Treatment Services, yeah. um, which I'm sure the deta- contact details yeah. will be up on the site. And then also national um, support. So there's NA, which mm-hmm. would be for um, people using themselves. That's Narcotics Anonymous. That's available via the internet. Yeah. Regarding support for family members themselves, there's Al-Anon, which is linked in with the sort of AA and mutual aid groups, but it's specifically for family members. Yeah. So that's Al-Anon. And then for young people whose parents who are experiencing substance use of a parent, there's also Alateen, and that is also linked in with the mutual age groups but you can find information yeah. around that online. yeah and I'll, I'll put all these links in um in the episode information as well so if you are interested and and you feel like that some of these services might benefit you just um make sure to check them out so yeah it's pretty clear that um marijuana use has a quite a direct link to mental health so thanks for Bethan for coming on we're now going to go back to the part two of the service user interview with Catherine um, I hope you're looking forward to it let's talk about how you were reacting and maybe that some of the conversations that you had with him and how he would respond to your reactions as well um, we had endless conversations, and I think that, well, I suppose initially it was more I cried, frankly, a mm. lot. He found that really difficult. But in some ways I thought it did show him how really upset and sad I was mm. about the whole situation. And I, and I suppose it showed to him as well, that, you know, how much I loved him. Yeah. So that was kind of a helpful in a strange sort of way in, um, in, in making that connection again. Yeah. I think what I did that I I know is, is kind of instinctive is I wanted him to stop the cannabis because yep. in my yep. mind that would be the end of the problems. Yeah. That's kind of not really very helpful because mm. I've I've learned over time and it's been it has been a good good year or so is that it has to come from the person. If yep. it doesn't come from the person it doesn't matter how much and you can't you can be supportive but you kind of you lose yourself um eventually if yep. they don't want to 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 do what you feel that they should be doing for their own good. I, initially I would try and Keeping on trying. Oh, when did you last smoke? Or you know, mm. or it was all around. It was all around regulating and saying, well, could you know, did you have to smoke now? Why don't you wait a bit longer? Blah blah mm. blah. And I mean, at one point, he would give it to give the cannabis to me, and I put it in the safe. Yeah, that worked so badly. Mm. Um, you know, he was up at one o'clock in the morning, just like kind of screaming at me. Yeah, um, and I said, and so then of course, then that seems really horrible because you think well, my child's desperate. Mm. They, they care more about that than they do about our relationship because they're being really abusive towards me mm. but actually i think that was sort of beyond the, the the cannabis that was more about him wanting to feel some level of control maybe yeah or I, I i think that's more psychological but but the cannabis the whole cannabis thing is people talk about it it is psychologically it's not and people who listen to this might be thinking well it's not a physically addictive drug mm. and i know it's not but it is a psychologically addictive drug yeah. 
um, and that's the problem. Um, mm. because a lot of the the younger kids that get stuck on it, that's that's where that difficulty has come from. Yeah, yeah. I think that the, the mistake, uh, one of the one of the many mistakes I made was was trying to get too involved with this my own program of how to stop him. Yeah, you know, looking back, you, you don't just want to do what your parents say when you're a kid. You mm. kind of want to find your own way, and you want to stop for your own reasons that make sense to you. Yeah, not because you're being told. So yeah, when we, I mean, I never shouted at him or anything. I was mm. never angry with him, but I think he couldn't bear my disappointment and my sadness. Yeah, almost in the same way as he wouldn't have been able to bear me shouting. Yeah. Um. So that was it. Was intense. It was very intense. It was very draining. Yeah. Let's let's go into maybe when you started sessions of Allison and how that developed and the kind of things you guys talked about and maybe the improvements that happened after you started doing work with Better Lives. Yeah, I started with Frankie and I spoke to a guy called, and I picked the guy who picked up the phone was Mike. And, yeah. um, Mike he, Cole. Yeah. That's right, Mike Cole. And Mike was just brilliant. Um, he he talked to me. I mean, I was really, I was crying because that's mm. what I do. I get very upset and I cry. Mike listened to me, uh, talked it through with him. And yeah. he said, you know, you know, he was he was going to start straight away, and that was absolutely fine. Yeah. And he did say to me, um, they have to agree to come, and mm. I thought, well, he's not going to agree to come, but um, he did. Um, I think, in some ways, Frankie probably um, did it to keep us at, at bay because yeah. he knew that if yeah. he if he just played along, then uh, you know, life would be a bit easier. Diversion tactic. Exactly. Um, but also, I think somewhere he knew or he did know that he had got a problem with it. Mm. That it overwhelming well uh, i think in it, it showed in his behavior him, him doing it at night time trying to hide it from you it was obviously he had a bit of sense of shame and, and he knew it wasn't what you guys wanted or it wasn't necessarily good for him yeah exactly mm. yeah he was keeping it a secret yeah um and mike was brilliant because he also he spoke to me and whenever i kind of didn't understand anything or was worried about something i'd just ring mike mm. or text mike and and mike would give me guidance to speak to someone who wasn't going, oh, that's just terrible. I can't believe it. Mm. You know, how does that happen? And um, I'm going to use the word normalise. And I know that kind of sounds a bit counterintuitive mm. because Better Lives aren't, uh, aren't trying to promote drugs use. Mm -hmm. But the, the problem with us was we went the other way and it became so catastrophically worrying for us mm. that that was in, in its own way almost as damaging. So he would, you know, he would talk through and tell me things. He'd say, yes, yes, no, I recognise that. That's what happens. And that yeah. made me feel better. But then the other thing I did was I... I think it might have been Mike um, mentioned it or I might have found it on the internet. I can't remember now, but yeah. I contacted Better Lives, um, thank God. And I just, the, the person who picked up the phone to me was Alison. Yeah. I, obviously, I just cried a lot. <laughs> mm. And uh, she's just brilliant. And she, she, the first thing she said to me was, he's still your child. Mm -hmm. you just treat him like a child. You know, you don't have to treat him like something terrible is happening. He's mm -hmm. just a child. It was brilliant because I, I was just in a, in a complete headspin. And yeah. she was able to see me very quickly. Yeah. And then she she saw me weekly. I mean, every week I came in and cried. Um, mm. And every week I left feeling just so much lighter. Yeah. And she listened to me. She guided me. Yeah. She did normalise it. And, and, you know, we laughed, which yeah. was really lovely because to me it was weighing so heavily on me. Um, but she told me stories about other people. And mm. again, that was that made it less isolating. So she supported me, but she and she never judged me. And yeah. She never judged us, and I told her some pretty grim stuff. And she'd be, you know, she just took it all in her stride, and she yeah. gave me some really helpful guidance and advice. Mm. And for me, again, one of the things 
that she said was we had a conversation around him smoking at home. Yeah. The main, one of the reasons I didn't want him or wouldn't even imagine him smoking uh, cannabis in my home or yeah. any of my children just openly smoking cannabis in my home was yeah. it's illegal. Yeah. And I'm just, to me, that's a no-no. I just try yeah. not to. <laughs> I, I, I want us all to keep safe and not do things that are illegal. Mm. And she kind of, we talked about it and got to the bottom of why I didn't want him to smoke at home and mm. looked at that in the round. And it, it was it was sort of pretty apparent that if he's not smoking at home, he's smoking somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily a safe place. Yeah. Um, Putting so, himself more at risk. Yeah, exactly. Vulner- they're quite vulnerable when they're out. Yeah. Um, so we talked it through, and I, we did. My husband and I, or my husband was really against it, to be honest. But mm. I kind of said, "Well, this is how it's going to be." <laughs> yeah. And um, he, we agreed that he could smoke at home, and I kind of tried to police that as well with the, you know, only at certain times and yeah, certain yeah. places. And again, that kind of it did help. Mm. Definitely helped. Um, but again, it became me very actively involved in his smoking which yeah. was kind of very uncomfortable for me um yeah. and, and my moral compass um yeah. in the round that was so much better than him constantly leaving the house yeah um and and i wouldn't know where he was and, um, and so so what that is is a harm minimization approach is totally yeah. minimizing the harm and and making making him comfortable and you comfortable and and it's it takes time to learn how to do that as well I just thought that was a, when I look back, I think that was a, for us, that was a really, really helpful piece of um, guidance. And mm. obviously she didn't say this is what you should do, but she helped me to see that that, that was something that we could do yeah. and that it was yeah. okay. My husband, um, I don't know if this is probably stereotyping, uh, very resistant, didn't want to do, didn't see, you know, that getting support was worthwhile. I think it's quite a common thing we see in our families initially when they come through is resistance because it feels... Feels like feels you're like, doing something wrong. Yeah, you feel, I'm not yeah. doing anything wrong. Why yeah. do I need to be told how to behave or yeah. how to talk to my child? Um, it's not me, it's him was yeah. kind of the refrain there. And actually one of the things that it did um, put on, you know, one of the difficulties here was the um, they put a lot of pressure on our relationship, my husband and I. But we did, we, you know, we had some pretty rough times, frankly, yeah. you know, he... he a few times he just walked out. Yeah. Um, but he always walked back once he'd settled down, yeah. felt a bit better, thought it all over on his walk. One of the things, one of the other things Alison talked with, our, our children are sent here to teach us. And I do think we've learned an awful lot, um, yeah. all of us, on this journey. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if, for me, I think if, if I could just sort of set out what I've learned. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most important, well, one of the really important things is just get support. Yeah. You know, whether it's mental health support or drug support or both, get that support for your child um, and mm. get it for yourself. Yeah. Absolutely get it for yourself because if you're not coping, then you, your child hasn't got a chance mm. to cope. Uh, you have to be there first for them. Um, and there's so many people here that are experienced. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they've been through it. They've experienced it. And they'll help you see, you know, that it's not it's not it's not great clearly but it's not terrible and there are ways through it yeah. that work yeah and it's interesting because now i mean he's in a much better place he's older now he's yeah. he's just he's happier a lot of the struggles that he was having just have sort of maturity has ironed them out yeah he uh, and, and we we looked back over it and i think it was kind of like it was a perfect storm he was mm. i know this sounds really trite but the whole gcac thing is 
just they see it as so monumental. Very yeah. yeah, very stressful. And if you are ADHD and you're not being you've not been properly supported for that, mm. that's kind of like just you know magnifies that. Yeah. Um, so I think you know that that fed into a lot of his problems, and he that, that's that's what he's explained. Um, yeah. He just really didn't see a future. He didn't really see actually getting to GCSEs. Yeah. Um, so he was reckless um, with his own safety. Um, yeah. And he couldn't talk to us because, of course, he knew that we were very anti. Um, mm. So also didn't feel like it was a safe, safe yeah. space. And when your child won't doesn't talk to you, who is in their ear? Who's mm. giving them advice? Um, yeah. So because they'll all have peer struggles with their peer group. Yeah. Um, and if you're not there to talk to them or you know to listen to them, someone else is, and they yeah. might not be giving them the advice that you would want them to have. And one of the things my husband does say, which I do think is really good, is he always says, "Stay, keep your child, stay connected. Yeah. Always stay connected. So even if you're cross with your child, just stay connected. Yeah. Um, because it's when you start the silence and, you know, I'm, you know, I can't be bothered to be around him, whatever. Yeah. That's when things, that things blow up. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's still um, smokes. Mm -hmm. um, he's not interested yet in stopping. Mm -hmm. um, but he has reached a point where he's, he's managing his life um, I always said to him, you know, you need to be able to hold your life down as well as smoke. Yeah. And if you can't hold your life down as well as smoke, then it's something it's not working. Yeah. Um, and I do feel uh, we both feel that he's um, holding his life down a lot better. It's n nothing's yeah. perfect, and he's still young. Yeah. And he's still got a way to go, but he, you know, he's a lot happier, and we're a lot happier. Yeah. I just think you know, never say never. Um, but you can relax. You can sort of just you know breathe <laughs> yeah yeah and say yes you know take um, the pressure off your shoulders a bit yeah yeah That Alcohol and Drug Podcast is made possible by Camden and Islington Foundation Trust in partnership with Humankind and WDP. So that's it for marijuana. I hope you enjoyed listening. You heard from a range of different professionals and you heard from Catherine who told a story. If any of these themes brought up something for you, it might be best to talk to someone. Better Lives can offer support for people who use substances and for families who are affected by someone's substance use. But for now, thanks for listening and we hope you listen again.